You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin! Unknown goal from Ruddock! Ball by Frank here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Still rule Fox. He's gone to the left. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Hello and welcome to episode two of Quickly Kevin, Will He Score the 90s Football Show? I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me here is... Josh Willicombe, hello. And our pompously named director of podcast, Michael Marden. Hello. So you're sticking around, listener. Episode two. <laughs> or they've just joined. <laughs> oh, you never know. There might be people that love 90s football but don't like Matt Letizia. <laughs> I'll get on board with that yeah, episode I'll wait two. for episode two. Yeah. <laughs> so this is episode two. We're bringing this out uh, every fortnight on Mondays. Yeah, the first one was on a Friday, but that's because we thought it would take Apple longer to approve it. And then they approved it within hours. Literally overnight. On Friday, so it came out <laughs> earlier than we expected. 5am <laughs> <a>. release. <laughs> yeah. So we've got Ellis People James. People queuing up, like with Harry Potter dressed as their favourite 90s footballer. Outside HMB. Outside HMB. So this episode, Ellis James talking about Bobby Gould later in the episode, and then earlier he brings in his favourite 90s clips. Yeah. So stick around for that. It's quite a management-heavy chat, because his clips are managers going mental, yeah. basically. Yeah. But before that... Let's do some feedback. We've had some amazing feedback. Yeah. Here we go. Listen to that. That is that's five pages. That's, of, that's by A4 feedback. Print out. By feedback, we mean like correspondence about things we mentioned. We're not just going to read out things. So <laughs> yeah. could be shorter. Um, okay, so we've had a lot on people that have seen footballers in restaurants or eateries. Yeah. But before that, we've just got a few that have come off things we mentioned in the episode. I'll just uh, read these before we get onto the footballers. Dear Josh and Chris. 
If Halftime Entertainment comes under the umbrella of Stadium Quirks, does it? Yeah. Well, we're, we're having that? The yeah. purpose of this email, yes. Yeah. Then I would like to share this beauty from the Best Scott Stadium, home of Walsall, in the late 90s with you. In the 15-minute break between the two halves of Sideways Passes, the occasional scrappy goal, three lucky fans were brought out into the centre circle and blindfolded. <laughs> Circular piece of cardboard, about four foot in diameter, was then randomly thrown onto the pitch somewhere. The fans were then spun around repeatedly until they were let loose on unsteady feet. The aim was simply to tread on the cardboard and they would win a cash prize. What ensured that was pure comedy gold as the crowd shouted left or right to guide them, or ooh as they got close. <laughs> but of course, there were three of them, they would all react to it, even if it wasn't for them. It was hilarious, short-lived, and I can't remember if anyone won. I think <laughs> half-time entertainment's a good area. It I, is. In a way, I don't feel like we've ever got it right. Like, no. football's been around for hundreds of years, and we've never sorted out half-time. How do you feel about children taking penalties? Oh, uh, no, no, I mean, I'm, I'm against it, yeah. full stop. Like, it's if you go to an NBA game in America, and it's just like a carnival, it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's not for me. Um, whenever whenever we, I see a kid taking a penalty at half-time, I think Diana Ross, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have quite a... I don't know if he still does it. The, the PA guy at Argyle in the 90s, and he thought he'd try and mix things up and one week he decided to read out the halftime scores by sponsor <laughs> so it was Dimplex 2 part <laughs> 1 I don't know, until the booing started and he had to go back um, but if you've had any halftime I mean, you that, know the worst halftime entertainment you ever saw is certainly worth that one you just read out sounded like a low budget version of the TV series Nightmare <laughs> <laughs> yeah Maybe that's how it was born. I'd have watched yeah. that. That's I'd have enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, shall we get into people seeing footballers in eateries? Yes, please. Hi, guys. I'm Josh's age. And as a child in the very early 90s, still in Manchester United's Adidas days, I saw Steve Bruce, Mike Phelan and Danny Wallace having a pint in the bullion in St. Helens, each of them wearing the notorious blue away shirt of 91-92. <laughs> Presumably they had been doing some PR work and wouldn't usually be in the pub in the away shirts. All the best, Colin Papier. I don't... I don't, I don't He's given them an excuse there that I don't buy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got an awful feeling they've worn the kit so people know who they are. Oh, do you oh. think? Wow. Steve Bruce, did he say? Steve Bruce, Steve Mike Bruce, Phelan Steve and Danny Bruce Wallace. Steve Bruce doesn't need to wear that kit. Phelan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Wallace, maybe. He's, Bruce is fine. He's got the most recognisable nose in football. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I grew up in Nairsborough, North Yorkshire, and it was a place that seemed to be a popular place to live for footballers, especially those playing for Middlesbrough or Leeds. In the late 90s, Danny Mills, the absolute Leeds legend, opened Cost Cutter on Nesborough High Street. I was lucky enough to be there and received a Cost Cutter helium balloon from him with great joy. <laughs> However, there was only about 10 people there, so it was quite a bleak afternoon for him, and it was raining. This is exactly what we're... I mean, that's not a, a place you'd eat, but fine. This is what we're looking for. This is my favourite, though. That my second encounter was in Nairsborough Swimming Pool, though it was completely innocent. I was at a friend's swimming party, they were all the rage, and there was a large inflatable assault course. Once you got through the palm trees and over the treasure chest, you had to ascend a ladder and then slide down into the water. As I came to the service, I heard a cry, which was immediately followed by someone crashing into me, having slid down the slide immediately after me. That person was Nottingham Forest journeyman Colin Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
<laughs> he apologised to me profusely. I only realised it was him when I saw him buying wheat crunchies for his kids in the cafe afterwards. <laughs> there we go. That's from Dave Hughes. Thank you, Dave. Have we got time for any more, Michael? A few more? Yeah, Can a we talk more. about Danny Mills? Oh, sorry. I don't know why I didn't stop. I'm not ready to move on. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I was go. Who booked Danny Mills to open the Costco? Do you think well, surely he's got bigger fish to fry? Well, I wonder whether that's part of his Leeds contract or whether he's taking, you know, what do you reckon he got? A couple hundred quid? <laughs> yeah, does he need that? What contract was he on? I think he would. What's Danny Mills would have been on good money back then. Yeah, that, it's that late nineties. Le- that Leeds squad was a really good squad. Yeah, it, and also Colin Cooper. Surely you're not allowed to do too much physical activity as a professional footballer. What's he doing coming down the a, a slide? Insurance-wise, you don't think Colin Cooper should be taking on the uh, Treasure Island assault course? <laughs> Hi, guys. Unfortunately, I've never waited on a 90s footballer, but I did once bump into Leeds centre-back Chris White at the meat counter in Tesco's, Ponders End, North London. The day after Leeds, I thumped Tottenham 5-1 on their March the 91-92 league title. He kindly signed a piece of scrap dot matrix printer paper, which the staff were able to find for me. <laughs> not that Travis Newton, that's not his only signature he's got, because I also once, well, my dad did, pulled up alongside Andy Gray. Not that Andy Gray, the one who played for Palace in the 90s. The real Andy Gray. Yeah. At the Hangar Lane gyratory on the A406. My dad and I managed to get him to sign the instruction manual of my dad's pull-out-when-you-leave-the-car stereo. (laughs) (laughs) Do you reckon that's added to the value? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But Travis, if you've still got them, I'd love to to see see a picture. Love to see a picture. I I once met Joe Kinnear, and I really wanted his signature, Mm. and all I had on me was a copy of the Daily Mirror. And so I got... I I don't know what happened to it, but I had Joe Kinnear's signature on a copy of the Daily Mirror. That's (laughs) amazing. What have you got signed by yeah, a footballer? Yeah, have you met, you met people, other people must have been in that panic situation yeah, where you suddenly yeah. meet a footballer. Like, I've got to get. Uh, well, no, like, that doesn't happen because the camera. Yeah, phone. the camera phones in, in the nineties. Yeah, what's, must what's have been the weirdest thing? Equipment. What's the weirdest thing, listeners, that you've had signed by a nineties footballer? Yeah, <laughs> well, I got uh, Alvin Martin's autograph before a game once, and he and I said, "Can I have your autograph?" And he stopped and he looked me dead in the eye and said, "I don't usually do autographs before a game." but this time I will make an exception. Like, this is an overly long explanation. Like, I, I, I don't need to know Alvin. I don't know why he's spending this much time. Could have done it by now and be off. I would have walked away as he started saying that. Yeah. Forget it, mate. Like, Thank you for all your correspondence. We'll have more of it next week. Uh, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, hello at quicklykevin.com is the email address. But Michael, you mentioned that someone had tweeted in about a sticker. Yeah, so uh, Richard Brown uh, at Kent Maverick uh, tweeted in that he, he saw a random Francis Benali sticker on the Jubilee line this week. <laughs> stuck. <laughs> Just stuck somewhere on a tube carriage, yeah. Do you I, think that was Letitia? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great as like a little bit of viral marketing if people started leaving 90s football stickers around and then we could report where they are. Oh, and that, could yeah, we them. can't encourage that we kind of thing. I, we're not encouraging why don't we actively? We, why don't we go on record as actively discouraging yeah. people doing that? And if you do see that, please do report it in my email. <laughs> definitely, email definitely don't do it. Definitely don't do it. And if you see someone's done it, the best thing to do is report it to us. And uh, then we hello. can tell people where they are so they yeah. know not to look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's on our Twitter, Quickly Kevin. We've also got a Facebook, Quickly Kevin. But our Instagram, which we all love, which was featured Christophe Dugarry this week, who, Josh, you're not sure, is actually 90s. Well, he was in the France 98 squad, but I, he was in a Birmingham kit, which I think was the tail end of his career we will have a full investigation <laughs> yeah. uh, updates on our Instagram at quickly Kevin right let's get into the good stuff 
Here, for your listening pleasure, is Ellis James. Wales with the chance to lead 2-1. Paul Bowden to take it. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin Will He Score, Ellis James, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm really, really pumped about this. I texted you uh, the title of the podcast, thinking if anyone's going to know the reference. Yes, and I instantly knew the reference. (laughs) Yeah. Because I know that um, Brian Moore took Kevin Keegan for a drink afterwards to apologise. What? Did he? Yeah, yeah, because he said... (laughs) If you watch it back, he surely says, they were going to go for a drink anyway. But he says, he <laughs> says <laughs> it, was, it was all a ploy. They, 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 they broke with tradition and actually socialised after. The, but um, because if you watch it back, he says something like, "I haven't seen it since the time." But he says something like, "You know him better than anyone, Correct, Kevin. Yeah. Will he score?" And Kevin, who's been completely put on the spot, and is, it's not his fault, but he looks like the idiot. Says, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the idea that Kevin Keegan afterwards was inconsolable. <laughs> Not because England had gone out, but well, because he'd made an idiot well, of himself. Well, Brian Moore said, yeah, and I bought him half a pint of beer. Half a pint? <laughs> Come on, Brian. What would have deserved a pint? Yeah. <laughs> now, you're here because we wanted to do an episode about arguably the greatest chapter in the history of Welsh football, the reign of Bobby Gould. Yeah. yeah. We will come to that. It's um, the silliest chapter yes. in the history of Welsh football. So I, I think it is as silly as when uh, Swansea had Kevin Cullis as their manager for four days, a man who'd only ever managed a youth team and had faxed his application to the club. <laughs> and they said, all right then. Yeah, yeah. So why did he leave after four days? Because he was absolutely... He, he was managing an under-14s team <laughs> in Somerset. When you, when was this? Uh, 1996. Wow. I mean, it is it is, it is is quite something. And then the players sacked him at half-time and said, you don't know what you're doing, Kevin. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin Cullis had managed a youth team, I think it was Cradley Town, Cradley Athletic, who had this incredible unbeaten record. You know, they were the best under-15s in the district. <laughs> um, and we'd lost our manager, and, yeah, the board at Swansea thought, yeah, great idea, let's get him in. He must have fresh ideas. He's very good at dealing with puberty. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's first fill in your credentials as a Welsh yeah. fan. You're arguably the face of Welsh football fandom. I th- uh, Yeah, I did a lot of stuff during the Euros because Rod Gilbert and Rob Brydon aren't particularly interested in football, so I'm... <laughs> I'm the next one along. And Tom Jones. Yes. Well, busy. Tom Jones did a lot of voiceovers, <laughs> so, you know, they will give it to Tom if he is available, but thankfully he wasn't available. Now, we'd like to ask the same questions to every comedian, or every person that's not a footballer. Right. To show your 90s credentials. Have you ever met a 90s football player? I've met Ewan Roberts quite a few times. Oh, yeah. Um, I got Jan Mulby's autograph, and I had to write Jan Mulby next to it because it's completely wow. illegible. When you met these footballers, were you meeting them at the ground? Or have you met a footballer in an innocuous situation? Jan Mulby I met at a Carmarthen Town versus Swansea City pre-season friendly. And I went on to get his autograph and he was not happy. Well, you went on to the pitch? Yeah, yeah. After the match? After the game, yeah. That's completely acceptable at that level. (laughs) (laughs) I went went to watch Swansea play Merthyr Tidville in a pre-season friendly at Penadarren Park. And it's the only time I've ever seen, say the game kicked off at three, at 2.57, a bloke went, I think I want to be in that stand. And he just ran across the pitch (laughs) while I saw the players just watch him do it. (laughs) 
Um, we should say to the listeners, if you've ever met a 90s footballer, yeah. preferably an innocuous situation, yeah. uh, or where you weren't expecting necessarily to meet a 90s footballer, can you email hello at quicklykevin.com? We're basically like looking for input. The more we do this, the less we want to have to input. So if we yes. can create a kind of community of people that will do the content for us. Yeah, absolutely. A self-serving podcast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the other question to ask you is, when you were playing football as a kid in the 90s, yeah. there's often quirky rules or yeah um, we played a lot of three and in yeah we played a lot of headers and volleys which I didn't like because I didn't want parameters to be put on <laughs> football yeah brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we used to call we, we had rush goalies and then if anyone who was in the box went in goal that was called a spider goalie yeah we had that I didn't have that yeah, spider that? spider goalies anyone can be in goal right yeah as long as the, the person nearest the goal is then in goal and that's called spider goalie yeah rush goalie three. I remember playing three and in from eight in the morning until 10 at night with my cousin just the two of us and we'd commentate just the two of you yeah 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 you just swap it you'd score three goals and it was your turn in goal <laughs> yeah. so and the, I would no, do that I thought well, three I was meant to be a competitive thing yeah but there was only two of us there was no one else my sister was interested did you just... have rules about how close you could shoot no because it was uh, based on the commentary so, so whoever had the ball had to commentate uh, so what kind of commentary we were, would you be doing oh I, I, I was Gerald Sidstat I was secretly hoping that someone from the BBC would drive past <laughs> and go who's that I think John Motson's passed his cell by day <laughs> I mean when his voice breaks this guy I'll have to contact yeah. his parents but would you be doing real clips so would you be recreating real it was a bit, it was a bit of both I was generally commentating on what I was doing but I would be dribbling past first division or Premier League players in my mind and then yep. I'd score and then I'd go off and I'd celebrate and then he'd go and get the ball Would you ever celebrate with a bush or a nearby inanimate <laughs> object? I sometimes did yeah. I, I high-fived it. bushes yeah, yeah sure yeah, definitely <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I've jumped in them. But I imagine I, that was what, a crowd. as if it was like a kind of pile-on. Yeah, like yeah. A crowd. I would high-five oh. it like it was a crowd. I had a, an Italian exchange guy called Franco came to stay with me. Just him. He was the only person who came over, and I didn't go and stay with him. It was very quite an odd, chaos arrangement. Now, a physics teacher said he, he asked me because he knew my mum would be fine with it, and he said, um, "I've met an Italian boy called Franco." <laughs> Can he come and stay at your house? Yeah. I said, yeah. And Franco wanted to be a professional footballer. And the best player in our school was on the books of Blackburn Rovers. And Franco absolutely destroyed him. Did he? Yeah, no. yeah. And it was a real indication of the standard of Serie A at the time. It <laughs> <laughs> was probably Europe's best league. <laughs> now, you brought in your three favourite 90s clips. Yes. Would you like to talk us through them? Yes. The first one is John Sitton. Now, John Sitton, as someone who's never played football at the highest level, yeah. or at any level, yeah. I'm an absolute sucker for fly-on-the-wall, behind-the-scenes documentaries. Yeah. And the, what I love about 90s football is that it was a very, very media-innocent time. So clubs would say... Yeah, of course, you can, you can film whatever you like. <laughs> and then, don't show us what you film, just put it out. <laughs> you know, all publicity is good publicity, isn't it? You, sh you shouldn't read your publicity, you should weigh it, because it's all good, isn't it? <laughs> so, John Sitton was manager at uh, Leighton Orient, and they're playing Brentford, and I think they're losing 1-0 at half-time. And by this stage, the pressure has got to him quite clearly. <laughs> He's, I, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions on the man. He's not up for the job. They're in the relegation places and he loses his mind in a way that is pretty impressive. OK, let's have a listen to a bit of it. Yeah. 
Don't be coming back at me when I'm shouting at you above the crowd and above the next one. Because I'll run this football club until I'm told otherwise by the circus upstairs. And if you come back at me, you'll be off the field and you'll be following Terry down the road. You come and see me and worry you've got fortnight's notice. Because that performance is the straw that puts the camel's back. And that will be not, not be tolerated in this dressing room while I'm in charge. What did I say to you about good players? They want to be good players all the time. Don't you know how profound that is if you're not examining the words? Because you've had two good performances and you think, I'm f***ing Bertie Big Bollocks tonight. I'll f***ing play how I like. But you won't play your life because if you play your life, I'll stick to you too. So you, you little want to tell you to do something, and you, you f***ing big want to tell you to do something, do it. And if you come back at me, we'll have a right sort out of here. Alright? And you can pair up if you like, and you can pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your f***ing dinner. Because by the time I'm finished with you, you'll need it. There we go. Like, his anger. Do you think that's... Why does he bring dinner into it? <laughs> And he also, he sacks someone at halftime. He doesn't sub him, he sacks him. And then there's an interview at the end and he says, yeah, he, he, you know, he's been a friend of mine for years. He, he's great socially, but he's not what I'm looking for. And I probably have lost a friend, but by tomorrow I will be over it. It is extraordinary. How do you think you'd cope with that? Oh, I'm on the, the real arm on the shoulder guy. I, um, yeah, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm a bit like Gaza. Like, I would need a cuddle and to be told that I was talented rather than to have, you know, strips torn off me. Stuart Pierce, I read once, Stuart Pierce hated praise. <laughs> because if. Which was fine during his managerial <laughs> career. Because <laughs> if, if he's being praised, that means he can't improve. So even if he'd had the game of his life, he didn't want. Brian Clough or Bobby Robson or whoever was managing him to praise him he wanted his flaws to be picked out in front of the team did you go did you ever play <coughs> football against someone who was ridiculously good no, yes wait. I did I played against uh, Simon Davis remember him the Spurs Fulham and Everton yes and it was yes. brilliant for Wales Peterborough as well I, I played <laughs> against him at under 12's level so my hometown was the biggest town in the county so we always won the league so we had more kids to choose from and he played for a team called Solvo which is a fishing village of about 500 people and they were top of the league and we couldn't understand it but we just knew they had this player called Digger who was meant to be brilliant so he turned up and we didn't know which one he was and he scored from kickoff, and he skinned the entire <laughs> team and it was pissing down with rain and he collected the ball he collected the ball from the net ran back for the centre and then he scored again and he just kept doing it and if we ever got the ball he'd tackle you then he'd, and then they took him off after about an hour and we all sort of went <laughs> and my dad doesn't like football he's a rugby man but he drove the minibus and at the end he said that boy's either much older than he says he is and they're sort of cooking the books how old are you at this time? Uh, 11, under 12's level, or he'll play for Man United. That shows the difference between mere mortals yeah. and, and actual players. There's the story that my, a friend of mine played against Gareth <coughs> Barry when he was in like a Hastings, like a young youth team, and he scored 100 goals in a season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gareth yeah. defensive Barry. midfield. He's not um, even a striker. Yeah. No. What has him helped? Yeah, a friend of mine was at um, school with Wayne Bridge, and their tactic was to, to give it to Wayne. <laughs> And they won the Hampshire Cup or yeah. something. Look, Wayne Bridge, at what age do they go, we're going to move you back yeah, to Yeah, because Alan Shearer started in goal. Mm. He had a trial for Newcastle where they said, have any goalkeepers turned up? And even though he was a striker, he was so enthusiastic, he went, I'll play goal. But obviously he wasn't much cop as a keeper. So Newcastle lost him and then they went, he went to Southampton, didn't he? Mm. But Simon at, at youth level was just on a different planet to normal kids. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is something I'd like to hear from listeners. Yeah, have you played with any footballers? and How amazing were they at a youth level? I'd like to hear ones that weren't that good. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't that good, but then it turned out that yeah. <laughs> it was Les Ferdinand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, Neil Warnock. Again, it's, it's a fly-on-the-wall thing. The thing with Warnock, what changes it slightly is that Warnock's still obviously in management. He's at Cardiff City. So, you know, you're getting an insight into what maketh the manager. And again, I just, I love, there's a King Lear aspect to how he psychs himself up. Mm. So the players trudge in and they're already shouting at each other because they're losing yeah. and the conditions are really bad. And Warnock, he's in the shower with a cup of tea and he's just... <sighs> Yeah, because he knows he knows he's going to use up a lot of adrenaline because he's about to tear strips off, you know, his players, and he it's there's a real controlled aggression to it, which I absolutely love. Shall we watch? Shall we listen to some of it? Yes. Look at me while I'm talking. The second goal. The first goal, Dad. You and Chris Billy, soft as. You're letting him back into the whole day. You and not happening. You and you come off. Go and get a bath. When we've gone out, you two come straight on. We can do more in there to play it in there. We're third in the f***ing league and we've got 2,000 fans getting pissed on over there and we ain't got as much passion. Now listen, we're going to change 4-3-3, Dutch. Okay? I want him in the middle, making his runs. Down the centre? Yes. I want him making runs down the centre. When the the fullback breaks, you will always got to come over. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Some observations for people that can't see that. You can obviously Google it. Yeah. We will tweet them. There's a chimney in the dressing room that you pointed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Halfway to the, right in the middle there. Uh, when, when Warnock's facing away, waiting, and they're d- the players are just discussing the half, Warnock's facing the corner. It's a bit like the Blair Witch Project. Yes. 
And his body language is all bad. Yeah, yeah. There is no redemption in his body language. Well, what's interesting about that team talk is he starts really angry and he's, he has a go at everyone, but then he ends on a high and he turns it around and goes, right, we're going to change the system. You can do this. And like that's where Sitton yeah. goes wrong. So had, he's just all, <laughs> yes. he's all stick. No well, the th- <laughs> the th- <laughs> there's very little yeah. carrots. If Sitton ever encouraged any of them, because he doesn't seem to, obviously, no. clearly, I mean, I'm not an Orient fan, but clearly the squad he he'd been lumbered with wasn't up to the job <laughs> but there is no there is no hint that he's going to encourage any of the positives no and it's I think it's more his breakdown rather than <laughs> the performance on the on the pitch whereas Warnock he is trying to G them up and he's saying right it's all about the performance now because yeah. we've got 2,000 fans that come down from Huddersfield getting pissed you know it's pissing down outside it's what? a gay med or Shrewsbury's it's, it's, old ground yeah I've, I saw Plymouth win there 3-2 actually yeah I saw exciting. Swansea win there as well yeah <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. <laughs> but it was what you were looking for from this yeah, podcast. It was, Have you been to Gay Meadow? Hello at quicklykevin.com. It was, it was It was a very it was quite an evocative old ground in that it was terracing on two or three sides. So the cutaways are it could only well actually it could be any decade from 1906 to 1996 <laughs> but he you know Huddersfield must have been going for promotion which is why I think they were making the documentary so it's quite a big game and Warnock he brings the fans into it to try and encourage them so as they leave back for the second half they're thinking alright then Neil okay we could do this sit in. they must have walked back onto the pitch again I'm going to pay my mortgage yeah <laughs> Um, one thing on Game Meadow, then we'll go into your last. Yeah, Game Meadow was next to a river, and if the ball went over one side, one stand, yes. there was a man in a boat in the river <laughs> yes. to collect the ball. What? Now your final clip isn't available, but it is your favourite ever '90s clip. Is Des Lynam? So yes, it's not on YouTube, but you just to, to describe there is, it. There is a phenomenon. I can't remember what it's called, but economists have a name for this when, especially during sporting events, a big England game, for instance, when when the country en masse take the day off to watch England, the economy or the treasury loses so much money, there's actually a term for this. And England played Tunisia at two in the afternoon on a weekday in 1998. So all the kids bunked off school in England. Every office worker bunked off that afternoon. It had been a big thing in the press and Des Lynham opened his match day punditry by going good afternoon shouldn't you be at work and he's like oh yes Des yes yes my other favourite Des on a similar thing I don't know if this exists either is when England played Germany in the 1996 semi-final and he opens the show by going good evening you heard there's a football match on (laughs) he was so classy wasn't he so classy yes and I, I, I love Gary Lineker. I think Gary Lineker is superb, mm. but I think Gary Lineker is the only person now who is from the school of Dishy Dares. Well, yeah. Lineker has become brilliant, but he was rubbish. I remember very early on Lineker saying, uh, I'm over to Anfield now with <laughs> Liverpool's Patrick, is going to take this opportunity to show that he really is a beefy burger. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're here today to discuss Bobby Gould during his tenure at Wales Manager. When we first looked at subject matters to tackle, I didn't know too much about Bobby Gould. Right. But when you drill into this subject, oh, it God. is one of the maddest it's amazing. things to ever happen in world football. It was the real zenith of my 
Welsh football supporting because I was a teenager and just obsessed with the Welsh football team because I'd come of age when I was about 10 we start, we started to have a really good side we came very close to qualifying for Euro 92 we came very close to qualifying for USA 94 and then all those players who had done so well for us retired we employed Mike Smith who was a t- So who was Mike Smith? He was a pundit but he'd managed Wales in the 70s right? and had been quite good so we got to the quarterfinals of the 76 European Championships and we beat England at Wembley for the first time under Mike Smith so 20 years previous he'd been quite good but that had been his last job yeah. So he'd been a school teacher, had somehow managed Wales. I don't know how that. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Left. That was it. Became a pundit, and then they thought, well, we are so lacking in talent. <laughs> and I remember they actually. The only way you could read about the Welsh national team at the time was through reading the Western Mail, which was a paper my parents used to get delivered. When Yorath went, they actually advertised in the back of the paper. <laughs> The Welsh FA are seeking a new manager. No, no way. Yeah, I remember the secretary, Alan Evans, who used to do all the press stuff. Yeah. He said, uh, yeah, we advertised naturally. We got a couple of crackpots, as would be expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely be exclusively crackpots. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so Mike Smith took over, and it was dire under Smith. So the, the Welsh FA acted, uncharacteristically, quite quickly, and they, they sacked him. And then Bobby Gould got the job, and he was apparently brilliant in the interview. Now, I'd, I, I, what I'd give to be a fly on the wall during that interview, because <laughs> apparently he completely convinced them. And he had... He'd won the FA Cup Wimbledon, hadn't he, in 88? Yeah, yeah. So he had that on his CV. There was no one else was interested. <laughs> but some of the decisions he made when he was Welsh coach were just... Off, off the scale. Did you know? <clears throat> apparently, he was Wales' first ever full-time manager. Yeah, yeah, because Terry Orth was on twenty-five grand a year, and he was part-time Swansea manager as well. And he asked, was for, he? he asked for thirty-five grand a year, and they said no. So Terry Orth almost got you to the World he came, Cup. He, what came, he, came, he came a lick of paint away from USA. What happened there? We had to beat Romania in the final game, and Paul Bowden got we got a penalty. Bowden, who never missed, had never missed for Wales, and also annoyingly scored for Swindon the Saturday after. So that was on the oh. game was on the Wednesday night, and then he scored a penalty on the Saturday. He thought, right, I'm just going to clatter it. So he absolutely puts his laces through it, and it just bounces off the crossbar. Oh, and minute. that's it. We are in with quarter of an hour to go. It's oh. one all. Oh. And then they score, and it just all falls apart. We came close to qualifying lots of times, but that's the one. That's one of the defining ones. So, were you hopeful when Bobby Gould was appointed? Um, because I'd started to take notice of the football team, of the Welsh football team, when I was about ten, and we'd been good up to that point. I think I thought that we had a divine right to be half decent. Mm. And what Bobby Gould did, he took it upon himself to end the careers of Ian Rush and Neville Southall. And then he just, he did some very weird things. Like he wouldn't pick John Hartson and John Hartson was unhappy with him. So they were training and he said, all right then, all right then, gather everyone round in a circle. You and me, John, we'll just have a fight. We'll fight it out. And in Hartson's book, he says, you know, I was a 21-year-old footballer and now there's this 50-year-old guy challenged me to a fight and everyone started clapping and Gary Speed, Gary Speed and Ryan on, Giggs yeah. they're all egging him on and Hudson says I, we grappled a bit and I could see that he, even though he was 50 he was still very strong <laughs> <laughs> I, I got him on the so floor so Hudson had misjudged what kind uh, of uh, misjudged how, what, what, um, what Gould was, was capable of <laughs> but Hudson's a really big bloke so then he got on the floor they, they, tussled. they ro- tussled and rolled around a bit 
and then he said, um, Gould got up and his hair was sticking up and he said the whole thing was very undignified. <laughs> <laughs> and he made them train in a prison and then he got locked in the prison by mistake. He made them train so in a prison. Why did he make them train in a prison? Because I think he thought, I think someone had told him that the facilities at Usk Prison were actually quite good. <laughs> well, he claims that he invented the method of managers going to like away games on the continent and inspecting the training facilities. Yeah, we'd been very unlucky in that we'd gone away to brand new Eastern European countries because obviously the war had only just come down so we were playing teams like Moldova and Georgia and you know they didn't have training pitches in the hotels rubbish and all the players got diarrhoea because the food wasn't up to normal standard so in fairness to, to Bobby he did take more care in that side of things which you know Mark Hughes used to say that he used to get up 15 minutes for everyone else to get the best kit because there wasn't enough kit to go around <laughs> Like it was, it was, so it was this is a country. This is a country's national. Oh just, yeah, just well, well, the Irish kit. were the same. Like Roy Keane will say that, you know, before they were playing the 2002 World Cup, the Irish management were, were getting them in dominoes and stuff. And Roy Keane was saying, <laughs> "We're playing a World Cup tomorrow. <laughs> You're asking me whether I want the garlic dipping sauce. <laughs> I'm an athlete. What is wrong with you?" Um, now, what we're going to do to show the players that he started with yeah we'll have a quiz for you okay Ellis so his first 11 picked for his first match against Germany 11th of October 1995 oh was that that game we lost 2-1 Dude, that's yeah. not a bad result yeah and Ryan Giggs played the game of his life he was absolutely brilliant can you name the other 10 players uh, South Thullingall yeah Rush Hughes and Saunders up front Saunders, Saunders yeah what's so a no Hughes or Rush no oh wow so who, who else would have been up from Um Nathan Blake yeah midfield Ryan Giggs uh, Barry Horn yeah he, he probably hadn't capped Vinnie Jones by that point no. had he okay oh god I was at this game it what? would be Andy Melville Kit Simons yeah, at the back yeah, yeah probably not Mark Hazelwood he'd probably retired but I says David Phillips no Mark Bowen yes this is unbelievable <laughs> this is an you're incredible. looking for one more central midfielder and the most interesting one, a man I've never heard of, the right back. <laughs> that could be it. Oh, the right back. Do you want a clue? Yes. Sheffield Wednesday, I remember this player's playing for. Red-headed. Oh, Mark Pembridge. Yeah. Who, who played for Benfica. <laughs> <laughs> so, to complete it, who the hell is yeah. Steve Jenkins? Oh, he uh, he played for Huddersfield. And he played. For, I think he played for Swansea as well. Did he? Steve Jenkins. I mean... I mean He's not going to end up in any of the pantheons of Welsh footballers. <laughs> the thing that strikes me about this team is that you've got some world-class players like Ryan yeah. Giggs. is one of the best players, and in the he world. was brilliant. And he's, he's on the same. He's playing on the same team as Steve Jenkins. Well, that so is. What does that look like? That for, is for what happens with Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland in the eighties. Ian Rush was one of the best strikers in Europe. Mark Hughes was this great player. Southall's one of the best keepers in Europe. Alongside um, Peter Nicholas, who I thought played for Wales. I didn't realise he had a club. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought he was a man who turned up for Wales. Right? He was at Chelsea, apparently. I think he played for Arsenal as well. I had no idea. Because he was never a match of the life. day. <laughs> right, let's run through some of his eccentric things he did. Right. He opened, or one of his first games was against the Welsh press. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he took it really seriously. He played Ryan Giggs in that game. Do we know why he did it? Because he was a classic character, and I think he he actually 
he made a change. They'd played, I think it, was, it must have been International Week where we were playing two games. Geraint Williams was dropped based yes, on his performance. Yes, he was dropped based on his performance against I the think Chris Coleman That's came amazing. in. That is incredible, isn't it? It's interesting. So we had, there's a quote here from the, from the head of Sport of Wales Online, Paul Abandonato. Oh, yeah. He says, one or two saw it on the Welsh team, saw it as an opportunity for revenge for some of the headlines written about them by London tabloid journalists. Can you imagine that? Right from the kickoff, Dean Saunders went over the top on the man from the sun, John Richardson. <laughs> isn't that amazing? And also, I mean, in terms of his eccentricities as well, the one, well, I think there are two that sum him up for me. We played late in Orient. Yeah. Wales played late in Orient and lost. Why did you play what late in Orient? Again, he just wanted to have a look at some players. I was at school, I went to school in East London, and I remember seeing advertised late in Orient versus Wales. <laughs> which I didn't think could happen. And I didn't think it was allowed. It's, one you know, of those it's the kind, no, of, it's t- kind of game you'd play because they were the only teams you had on Sabutio. <laughs> or like... <laughs> Or FIFA some, friendly on Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah. If someone was better than you at FIFA, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have to be late on Orient. I didn't think it was. Yeah. A, I didn't think it was allowed. So I, no, I it's not. It was an unsanctioned game. Was I there anyone that qualified for both? No, <laughs> no. That's quite interesting. No, unfortunately, sadly not. Which is why he must have chosen. Would late John Sitton have been the late Orient manager? At the I that's a man. very, very good it question. He was around that time. Yeah, yeah. it was about 1996, I think. So he played late in Orient and lost, and then he played Cumbran. Yeah, who were a good side in the Welsh Premier League. It was to try and raise the profile of the Welsh Premier League, and he wanted to have a look at his players. So he was trying to blood new talent. But then Gould brought himself on and scored. <laughs> he scored, and he scored. He's got a header, header, right? He's got a was header. Was Bobby Gould a striker back in the day? No, I think he was like a, an uncompromising, no-nonsense defender. I think, <laughs> I think he must. But anyway, be. <laughs> he, he he scored. Even though he's he was fifty and not eligible to play for Wales because he's English, <laughs> you think what is your intention here, Bobby? <laughs> but the weird thing, I've got a conspiracy theory because I read an interview with Bobby Gould where he said that the first thing he said to Laurie Sanchez when he took over Northern Ireland was to play small teams to accumulate FIFA points, and he thinks that Northern yeah. Ireland's first game was against West Indies. My conspiracy theory is: Did he think he would accrue points by playing the likes Come of Ron and Lake so, Someone needed to tell him. <laughs> if they got to quit. the top of the FIFA rankings oh, by just winning their yeah. way around the world. to win league. the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah. Let's go through some of his other eccentric decisions. Yeah, um, the kit. He designed the kit. The, kit. the mad thing is, at a, a launch of the new green kit, he put it in the bin and said that some of us are superstitious and Wales are unlucky in green, put it in the bin at the press kit launch, and then they played in it a few days later. Yeah, I mean, we also, I remember... He just would make these odd decisions. I remember we we lost six four to Turkey. That's a that's not a, a normal <laughs> score four. for an international. That's playground stuff. Yeah. And he'd said all along that we were going to play with a sweeper, and they trained all week with a sweeper, and then we went one 0 down at about five minutes, and we reverted to four four two. So all that week, that that whole week's work is just <laughs> wasted because he panicked and the players panicked. Um, obviously, he told Robbie Savage off. Do you remember this? Yeah. Robbie Savage threw Maldini's shirt into the bin. There was a lot of throwing shirts in the bin in Welsh <laughs> football. If you don't get that, <laughs> you don't get, get any. Do you know where it's wrong? Like they were always smaller trash cans. It's because of, of the advent of recycling. <laughs> People don't know which bin it would go in. <laughs> Bobby Gould would these days he'd uh, just take it to the charity shop yeah, actually, yeah. It's, it's a nicer thing to do isn't it what did the design shirt look like well it's the crazy workings of a 50 year old man who doesn't have a background in design <laughs> well, how did he do it do you think he I sketched think, it out this I'd love to know I think it was Lotto. I think yeah. it was Lotto who were doing our kit at the time. I don't know if he went to Lotto HQ and said, I'm an ideas man. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and I, I, you know, I want to tick the shirt into a suit. The only sh- other shirt I can remember being designed by someone in the playing or coaching was George Campos, the yeah, I was going to say Mexican that. goalie. Oh, but he had really long, seen, like yeah. short sleeves, big like wing slit, wing yeah. sleeves. Very advantageous in goalkeeping. <laughs> Yeah. He, when when we trained in a prison, he got locked in the prison. Yeah. And then he was, yeah, yeah, he got locked in. So How did he get locked in? Well, Robbie Savage said, one day we were waiting for Gordy on the pitch, but there was no sign of him. A few minutes passed, still no sign. He was locked in the changing room. We were in fits. A guard revealed at the time he had called out to check if anyone was remaining and locked the door, only to hear a voice begging to be let out. Oh, God. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love it if someone had escaped the prison by pretending to be Bobby Gordy. <laughs> But it's just it was like ev- face off. It was it was <laughs> it was every week. That's the mad it thing. Was, it's not one incident. It was, and, it's no. not, and it's not just on the pitch. There's uh, so many mad things, and he lasts four years. He had um, and also he picked a fight with the Mannix because Richie from Richie yeah. Edwards and the Mannix just gone missing, and he'd um, and Bobby obviously I don't think he read the enemy. More but he, but he, he had seen. <laughs> He had seen that famous picture where Richie'd carved four real into yeah. his arm. So he would say, that's not a role model. That's not a role model. Vinnie Jones is a role model. <laughs> and Vin- Vinnie Jones picked as captain. Yes. I was, at the, I was at his debut and he stamps on a Bulgarian in about the, the first 15 seconds. You weren't even saying Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the, at the whistle blow. And he, had, and he learnt the anthem and he had a Welsh dragon tattooed on his chest. He doesn't mention Wales anymore, but he was a proud Welshman for two years. Do you know how he was? Do you know how he became captain? No. Bobby Gould, I think whoever the captain would have been. Barry Horn. Gary Speed, I think. Barry Horn, maybe. He uh, was injured. And rather than pick the captain... Oh, my God. Yes, I do Bobby, this. Yeah, do you want to tell me what? Didn't, didn't he make the players draw lots? And no, I think all... he made them vote. Oh, yeah, but it was a Anonymously. Secret ballot. Yeah. And everyone presumed that it'd be Dean Saunders, and somehow he won. <laughs> there, was, there was, like, you know, like there's shy Tories. There was shy Vinnie Jones players. Surely he had the majority of the dressing room, yet he lasted one game as captain. Yeah. Right? And he had it taken straight back off him. And he just... Yeah. Oh, and, oh, my God. And just... So he he somehow realised. I feel like you're going through some stuff. He just somehow <laughs> realised that Vinnie Jones was eligible because his grandmother is from Rill, and I think he was trying to create that crazy gang mentality with the Wales team. Even though it's obvious, everyone knows that this doesn't work at international level. That's what um, Don Revy tried to do with England. But when you've got a very disparate group of players who might only play three or four games a year it's much harder to create that kind of team so when you cut someone's suit up and then you don't see them again for nine months <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not banter that, that's very malicious <laughs> it's like, you, you put dick. the suit in a bin obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it just suddenly then looks mean as opposed to yeah. fun you ready? showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I'm actually a conspiracy theory that he wanted Vinnie Jones to be captain, so he had this fictional ballot. He let everyone oh. vote and then just disregarded the result and oh, said, maybe. right, it's Vinnie Jones. Doing a North and, Korea. Yeah, he's actually <laughs> a North Korean election. And then when the players all kind of ran up in arms, like, who voted for Vinnie Jones? Yeah. Then he lasted one game and had to boot him and out. it's yeah. such an odd transitionary phase that's, because... That's probably true, isn't it? Well, that, that's the... I mean, he was theory, manager. He could have chosen who he wanted. I don't know why... But I think he needed the justification. He wanted the mandate. <laughs> he wanted the mandate. <laughs> It's a Russian election. It was like he wasn't like Gordon Brown. He, he, yeah, he didn't shy away from going to the people too early. Oh my god! <laughs> so, in the early nineties, you had Hughes, Rush, Saunders, Giggs, Southall. That was the spine of a very good team. And then you look at some of the players Bobby's choosing. A lot of those players retired. He ended Southall's career. He ended Russia's career. Southall's had a lot to offer because we lost 7-1 to Holland in Eindhoven in 1996. And Southall, believe it or not, is man of the match in that game. <laughs> because he was he was awarded man. Because no. if, if he hadn't... I watched it the other day, and if he hadn't played... Out of his skin, it would have been it would have been twenty nil. So every every well, goal, he was involved in setting up the goal every, as well. <laughs> like every every goal is the same. He makes three amazing saves and then he can't keep up the fourth <laughs> because he's not made of magic. I feel this like this period of Wales is like someone's put these ingredients into a simulator, like Bobby Gould and Mad Player, put Vinnie Jones captain, and just see what I see what. Oh, it was it's it was crazy, crazy. crazy. very odd time. You've read John Hartson's autobiography, haven't you, Chris? Yeah. Do you want to read us the Neville Southall section? So this is John Hartson's autobiography. Once he organised Bobby Gould organised a video session for us that was meant to provide some insight or other into our tactics, but unbeknownst to Bobby, the video had been switched by Neville Southall, who substituted. <laughs> For a porn actor. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that isn't gets, something that actually happens in imagine, real life. It's like Im- something from the in between. <laughs> can you imagine this happening at Old Trafford? Oh. Um, it's an old standby, I know, but I can think of some managers who wouldn't have seen the funny side. But Bobby loved it. He loved it. <laughs> oh, I loved and it. Of course, he, loved it. he got plus points with us for that. <laughs> oh, it's just a mad time, isn't it? Yeah, and it was such That's an unprofessional amazing. setup. Um, one of my favourite pieces of Bobby Bobby Gould vengeance in this period is apparently after you lost to Italy, he was reading teletext in bed after having lost, and he saw the TV headline "Lackluster Wales Lose." So he rang CFAX's editor at home in the early hours to get the headline changed. Oh, God. <laughs> That's amazing. How CFAX? 
Uh, how do you, hey, how do you have the number of C-faxes added? Yeah. Did there they has, meet at a party? There has, there has <laughs> also, <laughs> also in terms of press coverage, there has to be bigger fish to fry <laughs> than C-fax. You know, when Alistair Campbell took over as media officer for the Labour Party, he didn't think, well, we need to get the C-fax guys in our, in our back pocket first, and then we'll do the Sun and Murdoch. Would C-fax announce who they're backing for the election? <laughs> there we know. The thing is, people think C-fax have got an influence. I just think they go with they think who's going to win. Yeah, it's C-Fax <laughs> what won it. Yeah. I, used to, I used to watch games on C-Fax. Yeah, yeah I yeah. used to watch games on C-Fax. Any memorable games that stick out for you? <laughs> West, Ham, West Ham played Villa. West Ham played Villa away once and I think Tony Cotty got the winner in the 90th minute and it flashed up having watched the whole second half on teletext. And one of the greatest <laughs> games I've ever watched. I, I, I tell you... Because you thought it was full time. Yeah, I remember when we had... So, because it was bad weather, we lived on Dartmoor. We we didn't have great TV reception, and that would mean CFAX would work, but you'd have rogue letters. Uh. <laughs> so it wouldn't be totally clear. You'd get like eighty percent of it, and then with random blotches. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Plymouth playing, and we were nil nil, and there was quite a lot of blotches underneath Plymouth where a scorer would be. Yeah. And my dad was speculating that that <laughs> might be a scorer's name that had been changed. <laughs> <laughs> we saw the side of Bulgarian lad. <laughs> we used to live on top of a hill and people would come around and say, God, but you've got a good picture on your telly. <laughs> right at the top of a hill like this. I'm going to do a quick quiz. I mean, yeah. Can you name the numbers for the different CFAX pages? Can you name football? 401? No, yeah. that's Four, uh, ITV. That's 302. 302 was football and then I would just scroll through it. Yeah, I liked. Time. I liked also on the ITV one. It would have the page two would be the club call. Yes, so be yes. adverts for that. You know, you could what? phone a phone. I never did it. No, I never you did could it. Phone the phone number, and it would say like Liverpool. Macketeer to sign new contract? Question yeah. mark. Oh eight hundred. And it was insanely expensive. Yeah, as well. yeah. probably oh eight nine one. Yeah, it wouldn't have been oh eight hundred. It's not childlike. <laughs> <laughs> Are you disturbed by Macatee signing yeah. a new contract? Um, what was C? Was CFAX ITV and Teletext was no, BBC? No, CFAX, CFAX was BBC. BBC. So yeah. tel- what was tele- Teletext ITV. ITV? I never really went on Teletext. I went on CFAX. I yes, yeah. I was the CFAX. CFAX. Yeah. I was very I much a BBC yeah. man. Yeah. But during the summer months when there wasn't that much information, I'd do both just to try and spin it out a yeah. bit more. The thing with... I think I'm quite a slow reader because I'd never quite complete a page in time before yeah, it turned. Yeah, no, I, I would struggle with that. I think I was just trying to take in all the information. <laughs> do, do you remember when you used to go on a page, it'd be like one of five. Oh, and you'd, yeah. Just as you flicked on it, it'd be a re- something you wanted to read. You'd be like, well, I've got to read it right now because it's going to go... And I'll have to and wait about half no an hour. In it. Sorry, this is really derailed. But with... with <laughs> this is what this podcast is about, niche yeah. stuff like yeah. this. With teletext. Robbie Savage... Robbie Savage disrespected Paolo Maldini before we played Italy. He jokingly threw a Maldini shirt into the bin. (laughs) And Bobby Gould found that so offensive, I think he dropped Robbie Savage from the team and then he called a press conference where he made Savage apologise in front of, well, I was going to say the world's press, whoever whoever turned up. So the, the, the world's Wales press and, and someone from Football Force. He had yeah. the number for the Seafax guy. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was always there. Um, and it's, re- it's horrendous. No. I haven't seen it since it went out, but Bobby, go on, go on, Robbie. What have oh. you got to say? Like he's oh. a school teacher. Oh. What have you got to say, Robbie? Oh, my word. Go really? on, Robbie. Tell them. Tell them. I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have said what I said about... Go on, go on, louder. Go on. <laughs> I shouldn't have said what I had said about Paolo Maldini, because obviously he's a, he's a great player with a fabulous record, and it's an honour to be playing. Go on. 
have you've embarrassed yourself and you've embarrassed me. You've embarrassed Wales. You've embarrassed your country. How does that feel? It feels very bad to have embarrassed myself. <laughs> now, to bring us to an end of the Gould reign, he retired in a press conference as well, didn't he? Yeah. We, How did it come to an end? He... Who did we lose against? Italy away, Italy. I think it was. Yeah. And it was a crunch game for your qualifying campaign. Yeah, they were all crunch games. <laughs> we lost them all. It was a crunch game. We lost it in that time. And then he retired, I think, to Rob Phillips on the touchline. Yes, line. he does. I've watched it today. He's, he's on the pitch. He's on the pitch, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So At, does Rob Phillips know it's coming? No, Rob Phillips has got no idea it's coming. So he, he retires on the pitch and then he says, listen, Rob, I've loved working with you. It's been it's been a great four years, but I've run out of ideas. But I've got to say, if I don't say it now, I never will. I hate your ties. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is that wh- he the way he even th- retire with dignity. <laughs> but it starts so like I've watched it. It's horrible because he goes and he goes. I, I rang my wife. Like I, I oh, we look full yeah. time. I went to ring my wife and I told my wife. I said I've had enough. Like I've lost the players. It's not, it's not the players. It's sadly, me. sadly I got sadly. the number wrong. It was the guy from CFA. <laughs> He's on my speed dial. Yeah, number um, one on speed dial. Well, Keegan, when Keegan, oh, Keegan. retired, when There's England a... lost the final game at the old Wembley to Germany, wasn't yeah. it? One yeah. nil. Apparently, I read that Keegan went in at half time and said to the players, who were one nil down against Germany, I've run out of ideas. <laughs> No, is that Harry? Yeah. Is that, wow. I read that somewhere. He just went. I've, I've run out of ideas, guys. He said. He said. He said. He said. I mean, John Settle would do that. Kevin, we need an idea. You might. You might need to. You might Brian to, Moore's taking me for a pint. You might, so. <laughs> you might need to fact check this, but I think he tried well, we to retire at half. He about. tried to retire at half time, I think, <laughs> and the FA persuaded him not to. But then well, he, he admitted minutes. to the players. <laughs> I've, Imagine if they'd come back one three one. His backtrack at full. Time. Yeah. Interesting thing is me not having an, any ideas. It was actually an idea. <laughs> it was to, it was to push the onus on you as players. To say, Do what this this podcast has taught me. Never think outside the box. Because <laughs> if you do anything that is, you'll appear on a podcast. Normal you'll appear on a podcast in twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, that game, that his final game in Italy as well. Apparently, his pre-match advice to Mark Hughes was not to tackle the Italians as they'll only dive that was his one of his wow. last acts in management that's wow his, that's oh, it Mark Hughes uh, <laughs> Mark Hughes had played his entire career under Alex Ferguson and, and great managers and you just think it must have been so demoralising for someone who's used to the best to be told that kind of thing by a <laughs> national team manager oh my god um, to end I couldn't believe it when you found this Chris earlier Gould being afraid of Alex Ferguson and what happened yeah when Ryan Giggs in the team at United Bobby Gould is obviously asking him to play in friendlies hottest property in British football at the time yeah so Bobby Gould's having to deal with Sir Alex and this is from his autobiography I was pressurised by Fergie and he never thawed towards me I was in fear of him after we had an initial altercation where he asked for Ryan Giggs availability years after I summoned the courage to pick up the phone to him when I was manager of Cheltenham and ask if I could have his young forward Danny McIntosh on loan but I fluffed my lines I meant Danny Webber <laughs> oh, God. maybe he still had me on the run 
god. I should say as well, like my most kind of prominent interaction with Bobby Gould is like a fictionalised version of Bobby Gould. Because when I was at university, we played Championship Manager. We had a big group network game going, and I was manager of Peterborough. One of the only oh. times I've been sacked on Championship Manager. I was under a lot of pressure at the time. Yeah. And a message flashed up on all, all our, our collective screens saying that Bobby Gould had been spotted in the stands at a Peterborough game. While you were there? While I was manager. And oh. by now we were bang in trouble. <laughs> and so all my friends go, Bobby Gould, Bobby Gould. And then I got sacked and Bobby Gould got the job. Oh, oh. I'll tell you what, that's the same. You know, it's like when, well, you, no, when you break up with someone and you know they're going to get together with someone because you know that person's been <laughs> sniffing around. Yeah. He had a personality clash with the entire country. <laughs> it's the best way I can sum up I think Bobby Gould. In that he would try these stunts and he was universally loathed by Welsh football fans. Ellis James. You know. Thank you very much. Sorry I mean, to I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to thank you. It's been the worst hours of my life. <laughs> um, Living a torrid time. <laughs> There we go. That was Ellis James. Some interesting things to follow up on there. We need your feedback on footballers you played against. This is a subject, Josh, we're yeah. a little bit obsessed with. Yeah. Anything else from that? Yeah. 90s. Send in some 90s clips. Let's have a review. I think uh, yeah. Ellis, Ellis you... brought a couple of good ones to the yeah. table there. I've, there's one that I've found and now I can't find, which is Gary Mabbott's appearance on the children's... Dick King Smith children's drama, The Queen's Nose, in which, I don't know if you remember The Queen's Nose, where she'd rub the nose of the 50p piece, and there's a football match and they're losing, and she wishes for Gary Mabbott to turn up. (laughs) Let's get a bit niche with this request for 90s clips. We want footballers acting. Oh, yeah, that's (laughs) good. And don't send us Cantona. Yeah, for now. We want Gary Mabbott in The Queen's Nose. That's what we're looking for. Okay, so this week we're looking for footballers acting. Anything else? Uh, and also weird games you played over the park Ellis there talking on, about on the football's acting sorry can I just yeah that I've got in my head and I think this is true that Gary Lineker wrote a drama about a footballer that went and played for Barcelona <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene in it which in which the footballer meets Gary Lineker and they go for dinner if that exists and wow. I'm not having some kind of nervous breakdown <laughs> then please can we get to the bottom of that and then lastly, weird games you played over the park. Yeah, weird quirks, weird rules. Weird quirks, weird rules. Shall I just read out, before we go, we'll end with a list of footballers yeah. that have been seen. Oh, before actually talking about the Ellis interview, I, I actually met Bobby Gould once. Did you? And I, I totally forgotten until listening to that interview. Wimbledon, and they'd won the FA Cup at this point, so it would have been post-88. They played a pre-season friendly against my local team on the Isle of Wight. So yeah. I played in the under-10s and they Shanklin FC. It was their centenary year. And... Uh, I went over and I was a ball boy for the game. Oh, yeah. And pre-match, the manager, who I now know as Bobby Gould, came up and shook all of our hands and wished us luck. But during that game, Vinnie Jones got sent off for elbowing the local postman. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you are that postman, get in touch. Yeah. Wow. Was, was the, the postman was playing presumably he was no, yeah. he, well, he was yeah, he was on his, his, his round yeah. Yeah. his Can little wood package they're not in <laughs> ok oh, wow. should I do this list yeah do the list John Pemberton in a Happy Eater Gavin Everett or Dave Besson in an MFI Ryan Hutchins saw Glenn Hoddle a Pirate Pizza nautical themed adventure player in Portsmouth it had a wimpy attached which I think counts Joe Shaw, Alan Shearer having his face pushed in a birthday cake by possibly Lee Dixon or Andy Sinton. Mark <laughs> Olver delivered a cup of tea to Carlton Palmer due to busy waiting staff at Trinity and All Saints College. Stu served Ian Rush Sunday lunch. 
For pudding, he had apple pie and chose cream over custard. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> yeah. Henry's mate Joe served Jamie Carragher in a pizza hut. Phil Bezik regularly waited upon Michael Dewberry serving them BLT sandwiches at the Hotel Blue in Radisson, Leeds. We'd love to, I uh, think, create a map with all of these <laughs> footballers' <laughs> these sightings and timestamps on. We've also got two things we're going to put on the website, uh, which are an email about Derby making their own kits, which has a great photo of how they've just ripped off the previous season's kit, and footage of Ali Dyer getting as close as he can to scoring a goal. There for Ollie and Chris Rand. Thank you. Yeah. And the full, if you want a fuller explanation of the things you've heard on this episode, you can get that at the episode guide on our website at quicklykevin.com. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in a fortnight. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.